Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. We are talking tonight about the essentials of research methods in education, a book by Scott Buckler and Harriet Moore, who we are lucky enough to have joining us. So I'm just going to check that they have joined us in the space. Uh, Scott, Harriet, are you there? We are here. Hi, Nathan. Good to hear you. Lovely stuff. Uh, Lovely stuff. You know, and we are um, in the middle of the summer holidays, I should say, you know, for most people, I should say, actually, because, you know, we do have people from uh, other areas who will be listening in, who potentially, I know some people go back earlier, some uh, start a little bit uh, earlier or get their, their year up and running. But for me, where I am and a lot of UK teachers, we are right in the middle. And I have luckily hit a bit of sunshine. I think two days worth of sunshine I've got coming up as we go. Um, But before we get started, it's probably, probably really important, particularly for a lot of our listeners, to get to know uh, both of you a little bit as well. So before we get started talking about the book, which we will talk about a lot because it is wonderful. And, you know, I've I've had the chance to read through it. Um, I've got it sat next to me in front of me, and it, oh, you know, we, we will talk. Uh, we will talk a little bit later, but I do. I do love the cover, and I, I do want to like. There's there's something about a good looking book. This is a good looking book, and you can see it there actually. Um, if you uh, have a look there at um, Harriet's uh, logo, which is the one just next to mine in the space, you'll see a little cover of there. And what we'll do is we'll get a, a, a tweet pinned up as well um, so that you can see um, what we're talking about. But before we get started, uh, Scott Harriet, why don't you tell us a, a little bit about yourself, set the scene about what you currently do. Uh, thanks, Nathan. Um, well, I've been teaching. I'm coming into my 29th year of in education and I qualified as a primary school teacher I taught in London, in Birmingham. Then I moved into universities for a significant period of time. Um, I realised I was losing or becoming detached um, from practice. So in 2017, I returned to the classroom and I've worked in a range of settings, um, starting off as a teaching assistant, um, an A-level psychology teacher. uh, But then I came across this wonderful all through single academy school called Holy Trinity School in Kidderminster. Um, For those of you who don't know, Kidderminster is southwest of Birmingham. Um, And since returning to the classroom, I've qualified as a chartered teacher, um, uh, got qualifications in psychology. But really, uh, what my role is, is I take uh, or I'm in charge of computing and IT um, across the school. So that's the EYFS up to A-level. Um, and uh, although when I say I'm in charge of it, I'm about the only person who teaches it, I think. That's not to discredit any other teachers in the school who, who do actually teach it. But uh, yeah, that, that's my role. Um, so currently I lead on computing and I drink copious amounts of coffee with my colleague Harriet. Harriet, there is a lot of coffee consumed in this in this uh, in this department of IT. So yeah, I'm I'm Harriet. I'm currently the IT operations manager at Holy Trinity. Um, I run a technical department of one me. Um, this comes with like loads of challenges that you'd expect. It's balancing the proactive with the reactive side of IT. But I enjoy the problem solving side of it. Um, That's that's something I find really interesting. Uh, My background, however, isn't IT. My degree was in animal behaviour, which comes in really handy with uh, students and staff alike. Thank you. Harriet just looked at me. Thank you, (laughs) Harriet. No comment. Um, When I when I finished uh, that, I moved into initially into the post of a lab technician um, at the school at Holy Trinity. 
and that gave me some really good lab experiences in research lab experience that was that was really good for me and then I moved over into the IT department um, in the IT department I've been well like I say it's the technical person the technical team of one uh, I've also taught key stage three IT but I decided that where I really wanted to be was the, the technical side of it. And I wanted to pick up the other roles of education. So I managed the school's Duke of Edinburgh's award scheme, more specifically the expedition side of it. Um, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I really do believe that education is far more than just the classroom-based classroom -based learning. Nathan, I know you have a background in outdoor ed, so you know I'm sure you're, you're kind of kind of aware of that, how important that is. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a bit about bit about us, really. I guess. Indeed. Yeah. Well, I know. You know. I think that you know it's so interesting as well hearing about different schools, different steps. So and all through school, and this may be you know might feed into some of the kind of uh, I want to. I should say it's my own personal stereotypes. <laughs> I guess I'm talking about about you know how people maybe engage with research, how confident people are with teachers as well, and that you know I was a primary school teacher trained and and i don't want to paint myself maybe wrong but you kind of said you know i did start from an outdoor background maybe not necessarily mm. as academic maybe as i would perceive a level teachers or yeah. you know that those kind of levels and so i do find it do you do you notice a difference between maybe how people sort of perceive um uh, an approach to research and academia between the primary and the secondary kind of uh, sectors? Uh, really good question, Nathan. Um, I think research has got this big myth around it that it's really awkward to do that. You know, you've got to be studying for a degree or for a master's or a piece of CPD to, to really engage with it. Um, I think the perception's wider, though, also, that it isn't just teachers who engage with research. Um, so, you know, we could say that, yes, senior, you would have got that uh, degree in the subject that you teach, um, prep you, or primary, then you'd have that background in all different subjects. But I think there's um, an emphasis that, yeah, we, there, we need more discussions between each other. And I think that's really the advantage of this all through school we work in. Um, that we can have open, honest perceptions. We can break down those walls and bring that in to something like our book. Um, Harriet, anything you want to say about? I just want to just want to add into that. As I said, I'm, I have been a classroom teacher in the past, but I'm not at the moment. Um, and I think it's in, it's very important to make sure that um, those discussions are had with other members of the of mm. the um, educational Absolutely. village that yeah. makes that makes the school work really. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when you talk about it like that, you know, when I think about maybe some of the other roles and the expectations on uh, people uh, to do research, you know, for instance, I've, I've never necessarily heard of a teaching assistant doing uh, research, although they, they may well be best placed or they should be doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But I, I want to ask you, first of all, because we are discussing your book, uh, Essentials of Research Methods in Education. It is from uh, Sage Publishing. I should say as well, if you look at the top of our tweet and you um, of our space and you're listening to this, there is a discount code there for Sage where you can get 25% off the books. Um, so if you click on that tweet, you'll be able to see the discount code for it there. But uh, the book itself has these pit stop activities uh, to get me thinking while I'm reading it. Uh, you know, they were great. But 
I, I wanted to put you on the spot by flipping one of the early ones that you've put in there on its head and asking it to you. So this is how the question comes, that this kind of thinking activity from the book. It says, imagine you're making a documentary about educational research for a mainstream television audience. Mm -hmm. A few minutes into the program, you need to define what educational research is uh, aim to write your definition in one sentence. Well, you know, you you asked it of me as yeah. the reader, so I'm I'm, I'm throwing that yeah. back. What what do they say? How yeah, would, never. What, how would your definition of uh, educational research? Be? Yeah. So so what do they say? Never ask a question of somebody else that you're not prepared to answer yourself. Yes. Um. So simply put, uh, and we do actually state this in the book. Um. We feel that the definition of educational research is the collection and analysis of information relating to education in an attempt to explore, explain and enhance the profession. Now, obviously, that's still quite a mouthful. And that's why there is discussion and the book coming coming through with this. So let's unpick some sort of bits and pieces. So, for example, what is education? Does education mean schooling? Those sorts of things. And it's kind of what I said a bit ago. Education is so much more than just the formal curriculum. And research is more than just crunching the numbers, um, for example, studying children's drawings, um, such as ones that we've highlighted in the book. So shout out to shout out to the kids, to Beatrix, to Cameron and to Chloe um, to say that, yeah, it, it's more than just more than just that crunching the numbers. Um, yeah, so I think um, really from that, there's three words to pick up from from that quote. And that's explore, explain and enhance. So in terms of exploring, it concerns wanting to find out something, the what if, um, the type of question or the why does this happen type of question. It's something that makes you think um, that things could be done better. Um, so from what Harry is saying about children's drawings, we hopefully we've got some early years practitioners listening in and they're surrounded by an array of data all the time. So, you know, just taking three different children's drawings um, on a concept, you can really get to grips with what they've drawn, why they've drawn it, how they discuss, how they talk about it. Um, and we could think, well, why? Why have they done this? What that sense of exploration it moves on to the explaining. So by explaining, we need to obtain data from whatever format to see if we can answer the questions that we have set ourselves. But ultimately, it's to enhance. The purpose of educational research is to make the profession better for everyone. I'm a firm believer that education should be a self-enhancing profession. By this, a profession not led from above, but within. And when I say within, uh, you know, these ideals are so fundamental to places like the Chartered College of Teaching, um, led by the wonderful Alison Peacock. Um, but it's that striving to be the best we can to improve our practice. And, you know, this is against all levels. Earlier you mentioned about teaching assistants. Um, certainly when I was working in university, I was working with uh, teaching assistants on their research projects. Many of them went on to degrees. Some have moved on to becoming head teachers even. So, you know, we, we've got to acknowledge that there is this wider research culture within a school. Sorry, that was a bit of a long answer there, but exploring space and enhance. Explore, explain, enhance. And I, I really like this, the simplicity of that. The, the, the bit that it didn't come from, and again, you know, this is maybe where I, I bring my own 
prejudices man and it's stereotypes to to what it is and I, I i will mention that you know there's an anecdote uh in the introduction to the book of a friend of, of, of yours referring to it as being the, the most boring book in the world <laughs> yeah. based on on the title mm -hmm. and I, I fundamentally disagree you know i found it really engaging and i want to ask a little bit about the the kind of writing style as well because i particularly like the way it was kind of narrated um the the, the style in it but it, it does kind of get me thinking then um what do you think then most people's uh, maybe most people in education i should phrase that as uh, opinions of research are i think I think a lot of people see research as something that kind of goes on behind closed doors. Um, it's sort of something that happens down in sort of dark, sort of dusty corridors in rambling sort of institutions somewhere tucked away. I get visions of these sort of oldie worldy doors on the in, down the side of the corridor. You knock on the door and this sort of cloaked hooded figure appears and raises a lamp aloft and sort of inquires, what are you doing here? That sort of that sort of thing. I think there's um, a huge element of people seeing research as something kind of hidden and inaccessible. Um, the cloaked figure, the academics who sort of act as the gatekeepers. And. Um, you know, to, to go back to it, that those sort of gatekeepers keeping keeping people out from doing it. Um, the notion that the the essentials of research methods in education would be the world's most boring book or words to that effect. It's just adding another block into the way. And that's what we wanted to blow out of the water. Um, we don't want it to be dull and boring and sort of hidden away and, and, and cloaked, if you like. We wanted to do we wanted to remove all the potential blocks. And one way to do that was to add the lighthearted touches that we have done in the book or hopefully that we've, we've done in the book so we're thinking the things like uh, the drug taking monkeys uh, field trips into the paranormal you know the, the little quirky things that sort of make it hopefully not the world's most boring book <laughs> uh, but uh, again picking up from what harry has just said uh, no doubt we've all read research reports and they can appear quite formulaic in nature there's a range of terms that could be confusing for example what does that epistemology mean how does that differ to ontology um some papers cite that some um avoid it um and then you may come across something like a research approach like interpretive phenomenological analysis um i can't believe i can say that this time of the <laughs> afternoon um but uh, yeah what do these all mean so a lot of these words we can't really get a handle on um so we we call this the conceptual quagmire of confusion um because research does get buried in with all these terms and as harriet said we've attempted to demystify all of these aspects of the research process providing a strong framework for any researcher at any level whether they're just coming in and cutting their teeth on research whether first year university students whether they're going into their doctorates um, so while research can seem daunting, or that other people um, can question their contribution about what they can actually do within research, or that research is only led by professors, um, our approach within the book is that anyone can engage in research. We do it daily, from finding out how to get to London during a rail strike, um, through to looking at patterns in year 10 data. Uh, no doubt many of us will be looking at results coming out over the next week or two and thinking, right, what do I need to tweak next year? That's research. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think um, research, it, it, it's clouded, it's got many different layers, but hopefully we can try and simplify it through our book. Yeah, de you know, definitely. And the, the book was accessible to me. And, you know, I should, you. you know, I, I am a qualified teacher. I have a degree, yeah. but 
I, you know, there are words, and as, as you rightly say, that there are some words that I don't know how to say, and I, I get picked up on it on air sometimes because I pronounce them wrong because they're they're words I've only read on the yeah. page, and I, you know, I don't I don't maybe know them so well. But the book certainly does a, a very good job of explaining and expanding and guiding Thank me you. through nice. some of those things. I, you know, I wanted to to, to, to ask another oh. question, sort of based on that kind of this this imagery of you know sort of wizards <laughs> in, in academia do it you know and there, there is a, a sentence in the introduction where it talks about this myth and mystery of the research and uh, one of the quotes there is the guardians of the secrets of research carefully seclude in a veil of misconception and mystical words and this, this is you know what I felt certainly at the start of my career, maybe, and admittedly, I'd there'd been a, a while since I'd been to university, and then I'd had a gap doing other stuff, and I came back into teaching, and it was, I I, I wasn't in the ac academia type type place, and it felt like another planet to me, and certainly another language to the one that I spoke and yeah. um, and 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 so I wanted to ask you about you know some of the what are the barriers then that teachers are facing is it in the language or are there, are there more things that we need to think about when we're saying okay teachers need to be engaging with more research what are the barriers for teachers on the ground so I think I think it actually joking apart in the question that you, you raised there is an element of the biggest barrier in it so whilst yes this is this is educational research um but to say that it's just teachers then starts to put a boundary in somewhere so it shouldn't not being a either a teacher or not being a teacher with x number of years um uh, uh experience behind you or not being say a member of the slt or not being a member of a specific group or not being a, a member of um, a specific um, external group, no, nothing should prevent you. And I think that does prevent people from engaging with educational research. So to, to illustrate that point a bit more, during COVID, obviously all schools went down the line of e-learning, remote learning. And um, Bupa and I looked at um, the parental support and access for home-based e-learning. But that specifically was research that needed a multifaceted approach. It needed it needed both a teacher's point of view, but it also needed the technical standpoint as well. Otherwise, it was never going to come out with a, a suitable solution. Um, I think generally in life, there's a huge element of hierarchical snobbery. Um, people want to get ahead of their peers. Uh, it's no different in educational research, but it shouldn't, like I say, be the preserve of people who have so many years of teaching experience or who've reached some arbitrary milestone somewhere along the line. Um, but that can fall into two forms. It can still, it can be an internal barrier. I mean, the, there was a phrase that was banded around an awful lot when we first started talking about the book, which was, I'm not mature enough for this. Um, and I think there's, the same thing happens, if you like, with, with educational research, that there's an element of, of people saying, oh, am I, am I mature enough to do this? Am I mature enough to study this yet? You know, um, you know, that sort of, that comes through sometimes. But also there might be that block by somebody from on high, people in higher positions, um, just to touch on it for, for, for giggles. I wasn't allowed to carry out my original dissertation. Um, it was to do with reduced mental acuity and increased sexual drive in blondes. I should add at this stage that I am a natural blonde. So there we go. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so... It's, you know, it, it, it's really interesting what you say there because, you know, I, I question myself, you know, I, 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 I've, 
this kind of hierarchy mm. thing and maybe that's it that's an age thing of where or how old i was when i went to school and this idea that you know there was a, a hierarchy mm. to like first you do this and then mm -hmm. you do this and then it's masters and then it's you know phd and and you know you don't get to do that until you get up yes. to the next level and this kind of hierarchy to it that maybe shouldn't be there and when i look at young teachers coming through or newer teachers coming through should i say certainly I, I, I wish I'd had a, a book like this or, or this book sort of in my hand when I was doing my PGCE rather than, you know, sort of finding it now. And this isn't your fault. That you, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You were 15, sorry. 15 oh, years so sorry. on writing the book for me. But, you know, I, I wish I'd had this kind of to guide me through that when we started, because a lot of that seems to have broken down mm. now. Yes, I, I think... Um... Yeah, like I say, it, it, we need to get around. We need to get away from this. We, we don't live in isolated bubbles anymore. Um, it, I think going back to it, I'm sorry to harp back to it, but COVID has changed an awful lot of things. We, we don't live in this this isolated isolated society anymore. Um, we need to be more cooperative with people, with, with other people who aren't necessarily teaching in, uh, in, in classroom-based settings, going back to the outdoor education. Yeah, um, I mean... Yeah, again, it comes back, although I've gone through and I've got the assortment of qualifications, um, you know, I feel for A-level students because, you know, I, I failed my O-levels. I, uh, when I say failed them, I got, you know, a small handful, didn't have enough to go on to A-levels, mustered through A-levels, had to do retakes. Eventually, I got to team training college on the grades that, thankfully, I had. Um, so I'm not a natural academic at all, if there is such a thing as a natural academic. Um, but... I find that the research is one of those areas that we can really open up and we can communicate with one another, as Harriet's been saying, but we can have these conversations. Um, and most of my research ideas have come through um, a cup of coffee, a chance uh, conversation in a corridor, and that's led to something. And as Harriet said about the COVID lockdown, you know, we, we were almost driven together search to inform the school about how many people had resources who had access to computers laptops smartphones could we go to live streaming straight away so you know there's this natural symbiosis i think that we need to look for um, and to and to embrace as well I and think. to embrace yeah yeah um and i think you know case in point is us coming together on this book um the chances of us working in the same place and then going you know what, we've done a little bit of research together. Let's actually put this forwards now. Let's take some of these lessons. And if it wasn't for Harriet, um, this book may never have come out. Um, and uh, you say the book came, you know, 15 years too late. This is a book that I wish I'd had as well throughout all of my studies. Um, it's so, in a way, it's been written for people like me, Um if it needed to have the two of us coming together from different angles to make it into a better thing than it could be. And now I want to ask you a question. No. I'm going to try and phrase yes. this in a way that and it is meant as an absolute compliment before I stumble <laughs> it. But it's but it's 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 not, you know, I kind of touched on this a minute ago, but it's not written in an I don't know how, like in an academic no. way, but, <laughs> by design, in, you know, in a yeah, in a very kind of easy way for for as I say, for me to 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 follow through and to learn and yeah. and and was that a deliberate choice then in the, in the style and the tone of of how you were writing it, um, 
to to engage with the reader a bit absolutely more. So, yes yeah. yeah um i mean uh, yeah you, you've touched on it the statement about the world's most boring book and we use that as a catalyst to drive us to write the world's least boring book um and i think that it came through we had several considerations to keep in mind um one i've just touched on to write a book we would have liked to have had when we were starting out on the research um two to write a book that summarizes our collective research experience um going over the collective decades that we've been sort of dabbling about in research um, but also to provide a book that saves a reader having to go out and consult umpteen other books on research um, and also to make the book accessible to anyone within education. And as we've already said, you know, anyone could be, you know, uh, from, well, all, all sorts of spheres of alternate or alternative education. Um, so between us, let's say we've got... Ooh, at last count, I think we had about 40 research books um, between us. Some are very well established. Um, some are the bestsellers. You know, every September they come out and you think, oh, that book's still doing, you know, that's what I used 35 years ago. Um, but at the same time, we were looking to write a book that was purposely accessible because we've had to go through these terms and understand it and demystify research. And surely the art of any teacher or any author um, is to take a complex subject matter and to make it easy and accessible. Um, so we refined all of this research down into uh, what we've presented in our book. Um, but we felt that there is no one book that provided a well-rounded overview to introduce a reader to the array of terms. Um, and then to signpost them, if necessary, to other sources. Uh, if we take, for example, um, if we take, for example, the aspects about statistics, um, in terms of statistical research, we could only touch on in one or two of the chapters about statistics, but if you wanted to develop your own psychometric, um, then we signpost you to the core books within that area. Um, so that you can engage with factor analysis and do some more meaty statistical analysis. Um, so hopefully the examples we've provided from the case studies of other researchers through the lessons learned the hard way, that we have taken a lot of experience and distilled it and put it in a reader-friendly way. Yeah, I, I think to sort of add to that just very quickly or just to sort of... Um package that one up nicely into a nice little package. It, the object of the exercise was to ensure that everybody had the tools at their disposal, at their disposal, sorry, to, to get into educational research. And yeah, um, by using the accessible style, hopefully we've, we've sort of started to fling wide the gates of educational research. Yeah, I, you know, I would definitely agree with that. You know, I, I, I would hand this book to um, anyone, I would feel comfortable giving it to, to anyone that I work with within education and saying, look, you know, this is this, this is what we're talking about. This is a, a really good um, place to start because, I, you know, as I say, you know, you said it, it, it guided me through. It helped me understand. It didn't feel like sometimes when I have felt that I want to engage with academic research, I want to engage with mm -hmm. educational research, and I'm going to read a research article, and you feel like you're in at the Absolutely. deep end, Absolutely. and you're, you know, struggling already. This is this 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 is not that. And I should say as well, you know, this this is a keeper for me because I, <laughs> Thank you. you know, I wanted to mention to you about the the the, the way that it's organised. I have never read such a well. 
um, sort of referenced book in the you know the the lists of where everything is. You know, there's 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 indexes for for diagrams, indexes for the photos, yeah. indexes. I, you know, I, I I could find everything in there and helpfully a glossary mm. as well. It's very well organised, and I wanted to ask about that as well. You know, it, it it doesn't feel like the kind of book. Although I did read it from cover <laughs> to cover, it feels like. It feels like uh, one that I am supposed to keep on the shelf and dip in and out of. Is that is that how you hoped people would? Yeah, very it? much so. I mean, let's face it. As, as I've said before, I'm blonde, uh, but nobody's ever going to remember every little detail of, of something new when they start when they first start out um, exploring, say, a new skill. Like I say, I can't remember things at all. So by writing the book in that way, hopefully, it's going to help to remove that frustration of trying to find that. Um, like a half recalled idea where you know you've read something once and you you know that you can't place exactly where but hopefully with that sort of um set out and that that structure it helps people to go back so they can then consolidate that that in their own mind again i'm going to go back to it but the whole principle the whole theory is about removing these barriers to allow quality educational research this was just another way of, of facilitating this really yeah and i think um uh, although harriet jokingly says you know she's blonde i used to be blonde once upon a time i'm now more gray for hair that i've got left um but uh, yeah writing a book it really is a multifaceted approach um the words seldom pour out onto the page in the finished format it's more of this layering approach um adding in additional layers to help explain concepts in a diagrammatic form um, as you've touched on the glossary, you know, we thought, well, let's put the page numbers in with the glossary as well. So if you've read a term in a research journal, you can look it up in the glossary. If you then need to go into the book a bit further, you know exactly where to go and you can read around that area. So it really was designed to be a dip into book as well. And I think the way that we wrote it was that if people could get through section one, what is educational research? Why do we need it? Um, the sociocultural context that research doesn't take place in a vacuum of a school. The you know the school takes place in a wider society, nationally, internationally, and so forth. You know, if people can understand that, then we can get into um, greater depth with some of the concepts. Um, one thing we do is provide a juxtaposition. Um, the this sense of the research terms and there's a lot of deep philosophical terms and how they all relate to one another it can seem quite confusing when somebody asks you what your ontology is for your research you're doing so we take this we say well these are this is where it comes from this is where it's going these are the decisions to make and this juxtaposition we used was uh, citing things from something completely away from education. And this was a paranormal or looking at anomalous experiences. So something so way out that somebody could look through, not get bogged down with ideas from education, but look through and think, OK, I know nothing about this area. What does that mean? Oh, I can see how it now goes back to education. I think that um, that's one of the core features which... Uh, took us a long time to get over to get through to get right but the feedback we've had is it works extremely well um so this layering approach um we, we've also taken it that you know imagine that somebody who doesn't know a thing about what education is or educational research um where would we start how would we take them through on that one-to-one -one? so we wrote it as if we've got one reader in the room we're writing it to that one audience we're writing it for you 
you, Nathan, but you as in any listener or any reader. Um, so, yeah, really, we, we it, it was written the best way that we could put it forwards, I think. Um, Harry, is there anything else you want to say about that? No, I think that kind of summarises it. I, you know, I, I, as I say, you know... It, I enjoyed it in the way Thank I you. read it, but I know that I'm gonna I'm gonna you know keep this and because I will be dipping back into it because you know we've talked a little bit there about you know the, the term research is becoming or in my experience of the term research is becoming more and more used and that heightened expectation of engaging with educational research in some form or another it seems to be growing and growing and rightly so absolutely in but it's certainly more and more than when I started teaching now I did want to ask you a question about. The, you know, possible, you know, earlier on, um, Harriet, you sort of mentioned about when we were talking about the hierarchy and not being ready or not mature mm. enough to it. Are there are there dangers of, uh, or warnings perhaps might be a better way of phrasing it, for amateurs, you know, like me, uh, trying to be more informed or trying to engage with educational research yes. more? Yes, I, I mean... What, do you want? Yeah, I'll, I'll pick up on oh, this. Yeah, don't mind. Um, I would say the one of the main principles, if not the most important principle in research, is that of ethics. Yes. Um, in the current climate, perhaps the words need to be revisited at all levels, from those in the public eye, leaders of a country, those in education. Um, so if we take, for example, the seven principles of public life, also known as Nolan principles, as a defining feature for research, how many people would be aware of these? How many people would be able to say what they were? Um, so, you know, these relate to a sense of selflessness, integrity, objectivity, accountability, openness, honesty and leadership. And that really sets the framework for um, things like BIRA or the British Educational Research Association Code of Ethics, um, or if you're in outdoor ed or PE, maybe it would be BASIS or more psychology-based, the uh, British Psychological Society. So, you know, all of these have got codes of conduct for the research, because on a pragmatic level, um, if we were, just went out and did research and published something, what would happen if we hadn't considered the ethics if we hadn't considered the including one child's drawing or a name or um, giving enough defining features that somebody can identify the context and goes, oh, is that what you do? Uh, you know, that can make very awkward conversations for your own line management, um, but, you know, heaven forbid for the press or anything. Um, so really, it's a case of being aware that everything we do is has that footprint um the on a pragmatic level how do schools implement new strategies if they've read something in a journal article or they hear that the school down the road's doing something uh what's stopping people from going oh we'll do that and we would say stop really consider the implications discuss this discuss how it could work in our setting harriet um yeah, so I, I suppose I was going to sort of expand upon that a bit to say that the biggest danger, as, as I see it, is that once you've done your research and you've discovered something new, which is lovely, you will be compelled to act on it. You can't, you can't just put it back in its box. Once, once it's out, that's it, you're done. Uh, so research, the best sort, so it should challenge the status quo. It should make us question the things that we've previously held as, as gospel, maybe. Um, and sometimes, like I say, that can make for an uncomfortable ride. Um, for example, um, 
you might find out that you need to change your entire practice and go back to the COVID um, study. We were thinking that we could go down the line in our school of doing live lessons, but actually the reality of it was that that wasn't the case. It was a case of going back to the drawing board. Um, and then there's the then there's the problem then that uh, people can be resistant, others can be resistant to that change that needs to be implemented based on the research findings. Uh, but we just need to remember that we always, at all times, we need to strive to be the best that we can be and to do the best for our students. Yeah, um, yeah you know, and I, I don't know, like, I, I, I think there is this wish in me, I guess, you know, the, 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 the hopefulness of, of saying like, yeah, but if I research enough, I'll find that one perfect answer. I will find the truth and I will be... I will be right and it will be simple mm -hmm. and, and there won't be kind of conflicting things or things that challenge me. Um, and I, I, I guess, oh. I guess that, that, that there is, there are going to be challenges. Absolutely. There we are going to be hard, um, you know, hard um, questions to ask of myself and, and of what I'm yeah. doing. And this kind of leads me on to some of the content of the book. I wanted to ask about this definitely is you, you talk a lot in the book or you use a, a kind of a theme through the book of this allegory of a, of a quest. And, you know, the book has these references that certainly helped me out, you know, references to Star Wars and Harry mm -hmm. Potter to kind of put these things. There are, I should say for our listeners, there are more highbrow <laughs> examples in there as well. You know, ones that, I, ones that I had to look up and, you know, but it, it really hooked me and helped me kind of understand, you know, this idea of what research truly is more than just me reading a few online journals that I'd found. So is it okay for you guys? Can you explain that quest um, allegory? Yes, you. certainly. So so the first thing is kind of a bit like you said, there's you picked out that you almost identified with the Star Wars Harry Potter kind of references and other people would, would um, potentially pick up other other sort of stories or other, other tales. There's an element of holding interest. Um, things shouldn't be boring. Life is far too short to be boring. Um, I've, I've decided this. But the most important point here is the idea of the quest and allegory. It really helps with the ease of recall of information. Um, so think back to when we were little kids. Um, they used to, stories are used to teach really important points to, to kids. The boy who cried wolf as an example. Um, if you have a Christian background, any listeners with a Christian background, the parables in the Bible that you might have learned as a child, the wise man building his house on the rock. As humans, we tend to remember the stories far more easily than seemingly random information that we've got no kind of real reference marker to hang it on um so that that's kind of one important point the second part of it is that we wanted something to kind of help explain the feelings that you might get when you delve into research and into the research process uh feelings that maybe are kind of unusual expected if you've not fully engaged with educational research that notion of almost fear of stepping into the unknown or the worry when things don't necessarily show like you were, show things that you were expecting, those sorts of things. So the quest allegory was really helpful. Yeah, I'll pick up on that. Um, thanks, Harriet. The, so this allegory, um, it all goes back to a professor of literature called Joseph Campbell. And he was looking at parallels between myths across um, the world, really, and suggested that heroes and heroines globally share the same similarities in, in the myths. Um, so he developed this concept of the monomyth, a series of stages. So for any listener, um, you know, think about something like Star Wars, Wizard of Oz now, and think about these different stages, either within Harry Potter or any such uh, film or book. 
So there's a sense for being a call to a journey. In other words, something happens, something upsets where you are at the moment. It could be something, for example, in your educational practice. Um, it, so that call for journey creates a sense of unease that you know that you need to venture forth on this and take something forward. We keep illustrating um, using the research we conducted during COVID. Um, yeah, that was a sense of unease. We had to move forwards on this. Um, and then you go on this journey, this journey, the stepping over the threshold, as it was, um, where you meet friends, you meet allies, you meet people who can help you along the way. Um, and certainly that's really where Harriet and I aligned our research. Um, although part of the monomyth is obtaining a, a, a talisman like um, the ruby red shoes in Wizard of Oz or the lightsaber in Star Wars, um, as something imbued with mystical powers, um, which can help. And it could be something like our book, um, Research Methods in Education, The Essentials of, um, we would like to offer that one out. Um, but there's a variety of challenges on the way. Um, and the challenges um, normally come in sets of three. Um, the challenges could be lack of time, lack of resources, people not responding as you'd hoped they'd respond. Um, so the hero or heroine faces these challenges and then they fear, face this biggest challenge. Um, I'm a big Star Wars fan, so with Star Wars, it would be the Death Star or Darth Vader. And it's this abyss, it's this greatest fear. But it's only then when the person goes into themselves and realise they've got the strength to to go through this, um, can they move forwards? And, you know, there are times that research can feel like this, but, you know, I, I put my PhD on hold for four years. Um, I thought it was too insurmountable to touch, and then I came back to it. So in overcoming this challenge, um, they reach within, they find this power and they become transformed through completing this quest and then ultimately they return home with a gift and that gift can be knowledge or freedom so we felt that by giving this uh, joseph campbell's quest um, allegory throughout the various chapters of the book um it can help the reader understand the research process the feelings that they found the maybe dead ends or the side turns um and that sense of unease that still keeps you moving forwards into what potentially is the unknown. Because let's face it, research should be something about we, we want to find out more about. Um, and then rounding this all off, research should be transformatory. It should transform the researcher. It, trans, it should transform practice. It should transform education in general. Um, so, sorry, but again, quite a long answer there, but uh, it, it's a, a wonderful thing to either read um, Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces, or next time you're watching a film, to think about these stages um, and how these can resonate with your own life, your own background, your own career, or your own research. I, I, I think it is, you know, well worth spending the time on, because it, it completely, uh, you know, contradicts this idea of you know of research being boring it's not you know that actually when i read that and i was like yeah this is this is kind of how i feel and admittedly at points you know i've i felt that call to journey and i've i've wanted to do something and i've stepped over the threshold then stepped back and then stepped mm. over i you yeah. know i agree about that this book certainly I, I I had it placed more though as uh, as the group of friends around me, the fellowship <laughs> yes. of the ring, the book. You know, it felt like that. That I had people to put yeah. on and, and 
uh, I, you know, to help me along my way uh, in, 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 in finding this, this kind of quest for knowledge or, or quest for, for, for understanding, better understanding, certainly. Um, I wanted to ask as well, you know, the, the, the book does go through sections and, you know, it, it, these parts that you can pull on if you have uh, specific um, questions or, or parts of your research that you, that you want to find out. And you've already mentioned sort of a couple of the, 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 the chapters there. But I wanted to ask about these, these kind of different aspects, because teachers obviously come into uh, education from, from all different yeah. backgrounds um, and, and different degrees. And we've talked about that primary and secondary possible divide as yeah. well where there there may well be you know certainly i i, I would expect that uh, possibly a, a physics graduate might have a very different understanding of research to a sociology yeah. graduate maybe uh, and i wanted to ask you about that um, you know as do you think that there are parts of completing the you know that academic research so maybe someone studying for a master studying for a phd that that teachers through their training uh, maybe aren't prepared for as well, or that can come as a bit of a shock to them? Yeah, um, that's a really considered uh, uh, question there, Nathan. Thank you. And, you know, it, it sounds like you're really going through this in terms of, yeah, I feel for you um, engaging with your research at the moment. Um, and I guess this is where we brought in the lessons learned the hard way. Um, to cover some of the things that we've come across in research or the, those we've supervised or we've worked with have come across in their research. I think there's some um, consistent themes um, to really be prepared for. The first is the time it takes uh, to conduct research. Uh, so you may say, well, look, the interview may only take 10 minutes and actually half an hour in, you've, you're only just going through the first couple of opening questions because there's so much to talk about. Um, it could be about how engaged or even obsessed you can become with your research. Um, there are times when I start talking about what I'm passionate about and I can see people's eyes glazing over. Uh, but I think that's when you know you've got something that, you know, that's so fundamental to you that you're going to take through to the bitter end. Um, it's also about how you can speak with passion about something and whether you can ignite that passion in others as well. Uh, we talk about the research roller coaster. Sometimes you'll go around in circles in research, sometimes backwards. Sometimes you may just say, look, I want to get off. I want to get on a more gentler ride. And there's nothing wrong with that because each of these lessons, each of these aspects that you take away as a researcher goes into that mix. It makes you a better researcher. Even if you never complete your research, you've become transformed. You've got a different view on your relationship with research. Um, so going back to this, uh, yeah, concept of the research roller coaster, um, yeah, you could end up in completely different places than you thought. You may think, oh, that's where the ride stops, but actually, you, you find yourself in a different part of the theme park, for example. Um, so anyone who thinks that research goes in a straight line, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do next, this is what I'm going to do next, and there we go, I'll write it up and I will submit it. Um, you know, uh, I've never known that. If anyone's ever come across their research being in that straight line, I'd love to get you a coffee um, because and for you to tell me how you've achieved it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that when we write up our research, it looks like a straightforward journey. It looks like everything works perfectly. 
But what hasn't gone into it is that massive sphere surrounding it of all those lessons you've learned as a researcher. So summarizing that, the time, how obsessed you can become with it, um, that you can speak with passion to try and ignite others and it's roller coaster. I know Harriet, you want to pick up on um, something as well. Yeah, I, I suppose I was going to, for me, I think the thing that comes as the biggest shock is when the research doesn't, doesn't give you the answers you were expecting. As you say that, that you end up in a different part of the theme park, I think was how, was how you put it. But so again, and I've said it back to the COVID study, the study showed us that we couldn't just do what we wanted to do. We couldn't just do what we planned. And I think new teachers are not particularly prepared for that, that things don't necessarily go to plan. Um, so to go back, it kind of goes back to the question that you asked earlier about there being any dangers or warnings. Um, something seemingly inconsequential can have massive effects. Yeah, I'd say the biggest shock is when you don't get the answers you were expecting. Maybe it's for the best I didn't do my dissertation on, you know, mental acuity in blonde. I think what really interests me about both of your answers there is, is, is that they're not about the, the practicalities of of, of research, no. which I think you know, can, can or the technicalities yeah. maybe maybe is is is, is um, what I was thinking because there there are some you know you you've mentioned earlier uh, uh, earlier on Scott some 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 scary words and there are some scary words you know I've, I've just flipped open the book so I could pull out some scary words not a scary one but there's words in, you know like axial coding <laughs> thematic yeah. analysis you know there's 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 some off putting potentially for people wording and language or, or things that you need to do uh, within research or, or possibly uh, things that you might not even have thought about but you're suggesting then that 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 kind of stuff the technical practical elements are surmountable and it's actually part of the journey and the engaging with what's happened that's the hard yeah you're right there um, let's go back to axial coding i you know we love to use these words but what does it actually mean it just means write a word down summarize a sentence in a word you know, but why can't people just say that? Mm. Um, and I think this is what we've tried to do is just sort of say, you know, look, uh, the, the actual technical side, it's um, it's as formulaic as a cookbook. Um, uh, you know, and I, I think I'm not saying, but have we got any recipes in there? Uh, I don't think so. Not that I can For the second edition, we'll get some recipes, <laughs> yes, in, recipes for, in there for some cakes or something. Um, but yeah, it, it really is about a sense that you know you can do research in a systematic way each of the chapters guides you through the considerations that you need to do you know there's a checklist at the end of each chapter saying this is what you need to do then you can move on to the next section um and yeah there's these route maps all the way through the book like that um but what you know where is that's taken us a collective massive experience to distill down um Really, we don't want people to get bogged down on the technicalities. Um, the it is for the more practical things like time. Um, Harry, did you want to pick up? Here? Yeah, I suppose I was. I was just going to follow through with that. That that the the side of it that that we raised as being kind of the, the bits that will come as a shock are the bits that people don't necessarily tend to talk about. You hear a lot of people saying, like I say research is difficult, and so there's there's ways to kind of access that, but there isn't necessarily. Um, there isn't necessarily the support for those for those almost personal questions. Um, it's only sort of now that we're really starting to see mental health and kind of first aid being yeah. being considered in schools and that sort of side of mm. things being being picked up on. And I think I think we need to make sure that people are prepared for the 
mental side of things, not just the not just the technical side of research. Yes, yeah, um, that's really resonated in terms of you know I, I think about the the sleepless nights when it was four o'clock in the morning and I was still writing up research and neglecting um, you know friends, family, myself even. Um, so you know there are aspects like that or people sort of dismissing your research saying well who's really going to be interested in it um is that gonna earn you any more money and the answer is no but it's what i want to do um so yeah there's yeah a range which we've tried to pick up but ultimately it goes back to that transformation even in those dark moments when it is four o'clock in the morning you think oh you know what i can see the light i can really see the end is in sight look at the journey that i've been on Look at where I've come from. Look at how I've how I've changed and transformed. And I think that that really is the why we also go back to the quest. You know, the come the end, you will be a better person. Yeah, you know, and I, 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 I certainly, you know, I think that that part is, you know, sort of covered off, and 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 I, I felt confident. With it. it felt like uh, safety, yeah. I think, is Thank how you. I would yeah. describe the book. I felt safe. <laughs> you know, I feel that, you know, on my journey, I, I feel that I have friends in this book uh -huh. and that I feel safe. And that also, as I say, you know, the, the, the ability to track back group was something that I, I really appreciated in, in the way it's laid out. This, I, this knowledge that I'll have that on my shelf and I'll be able to check on it. I wanted to sort of hark back, you know, I've mentioned this uh, idea that research or the engaging with research uh, coming more and more as an expectation on teachers. And you've talked a bit about that, you know, this finding a passion, finding an interest. And I wanted to ask about this kind of a slight juxtaposition mm -hmm. here uh, of um, it being so my performance management or performance development or whatever we would be calling it wherever we are in the country and i should say for those listening that i am in wales so we do have slightly different teachers professional standards where there is a an, an expectation on on things like innovation and collaboration and professional learning uh, possibly in a different way to in england but i have to complete research or engage mm -hmm. with research so i have kind of a, i i am not taking that first step myself i'm kind of kicked out the door by Gandalf. <laughs> this, uh, great you know, reference they, they've kicked me out the door and said uh, you know go off on your quest um to, to better understand what you're doing but uh, we talked a little about how you see the purpose of edu uh, educational research and and why is it important to teachers but uh, is it possible then that, that we can say to everyone here you need to go and do research why you know how do we sell that to the the teachers how do, how do my line managers sell that to me that actually you need to get out of your comfort zone Nathan you need to step outside of what you're doing and find it more thank you yeah it's uh oh if I go back to the purpose of educational research how we've defined it with the three e's the explore explain enhance with the view of transforming um all aspects uh, predominantly the transformation of the learners that we work with um the school or the setting or the context that we work within the culture um how we ourselves develop it through that systematic process of thinking so you know all of this is about making the education system better 
this transformation can occur from the micro from a very very small level um through to the macro um you know if i take something micro i looked at science concept cartoons um with harriet we were looking at you know whether um engaging with discussion about a concept cartoon um can help learners develop more concrete understanding of um, physics or chemistry through to the macro the whole school stuff like we did in covid with the research so this transformation is very much like dropping a pebble in a pond whatever you research it is that small pebble um dropping that pebble the ripples undulate outwards they could affect someone or something or elsewhere um through a chance conversation a year or two down the line or maybe it provides us with a hunch that we do a little bit more research into so that's really important um i've said i think about education being a self-enhancing profession and we can go back to some classic research by robinson and his colleagues from 2009 whereby engaging staff with professional learning has the largest effect size of all on the outcome of learners. So I repeat that again, you know, if we can really engage staff um, with effective CPD, then that can have a monumental effect on learners. And that, the effect size was twice that of focusing on learning, planning, coordinating and evaluating um, teaching. It's something that's been cited by quite a few people in the past. Um, but at the cornerstone of this would be that CPD needs to be sustained. It needs to go on. It, it's more than just about one hour after school session. There is a time and a place for that. But if we're going to make a real change within the profession, we need to really engage with thinking, reflecting, discussing, and bringing all levels of the school community together. Um, I think some of the best CPD I've ever done uh, was when I did the Chartered Teacher status um, through the Chartered College of Teaching. It took 18 months to complete, but the level of what I was learning and reflecting on and uh, working with other teachers, it was so profound. Um, and that I can't champion the Charter College teaching enough. Um, so Dame Alison Peacock's leadership is profound. Um, they've moved on to looking at journal clubs. Um, they've moved on to a series of um, qualifications that you can start with, certificates in um, evidence-informed practice. So I think that uh, in terms of selling the, the purpose of educational research, the transformation of the profession. How can we call ourselves a profession if we're not uh, developing it, if we're not taking it forwards? Um, but also, it does affect the learners. It does have a bigger imprint than most of the other things that we do. Um, I think if I can add to that, uh, the thing is, the world and education, it's currently evolving. And we can't keep doing the same things that we've done before. Um, there's always new technology coming through. Go back to COVID, you look at how things have changed since COVID. I mean, go back many moons ago and, and a conversation that we're having at the moment would probably have taken place in person in a soundproof sort of studio somewhere. And, and that that isn't the reality of the world that we live in anymore. And so the research and, and, and educational research is essential to inform how we move educational practice forwards with all the changes that are happening in the world today. Yeah, I, you know what I think it is, and I think this, what what it has come through, and, and certainly we can look is how I 
and 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 I think the way, as I say, some of the way that the book is is written and the, the way the allegory sort of develops through it, and, and 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 has helped me because the way you guys talk about uh, research and being evidence informed and, and and such like and educational research, it makes perfect sense to me. So, yeah, I just need to improve my teaching. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be working at how to do what I'm doing to the best possible mm, yeah. way. And, 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 and I, I still carry with me, I guess, this burden of my um, idea that somewhere in that, the hallowed halls of Cambridge <laughs> and Oxford is someone in a gown who's going to tell me that I don't belong and that I haven't, <laughs> you know, yeah. been, I haven't grown along enough yeah. to, <laughs> to, to, to be able to do it yet. And I think, you know, some of that still hangs on my shoulders yeah. and hopefully, mm. you know, the, the, the profession is moving on from, Absolutely. from, from how I saw yeah. it. Um, because, yeah, when you explain it in these kind of the, the, these three steps of, you know, that this is just getting better at teaching. This is just the way that we do it. And OK, there are some difficult words in there, but now I have the book. I can look them up in the glossary. Yeah. Hey. I can find out what they mean. Um, and, and that hopefully kind of helps me helps me along and engage with it because yeah you know it's certainly as i say uh, here in wales there is is, is a big push for it and, and certainly i you know i will be recommending uh the book oh, to, to, to you, thank you. because i it, it, it is across uh, sort of all levels um certainly in, in wales where there is you know this expectation that this is the way forward this is how we improve teaching this is how we improve outcomes for young people mm. um you know, we have we have been through a whistle whistle stop and, and barely touched on some of the stuff. I I should say again that there is um, uh, a code if you are listening in uh, for for you to get twenty five percent off uh, the book. Um, it's essentials of research education uh, methods in education. Scott Butler and Harriet Moore. Um, if you go to Sage Education website, you click on the link there. If you put in TTR twenty five as the code, you can get. 25% off the book it's well, well worth it I should say you know this is a keeper for me um I, I wanted to ask you uh, sort of a few final bits and pieces um you know and certainly if you are listening in and you have questions uh, tweet them into us tweet them uh, to the either to um teachers talk radio itself and we'll, we'll pin them in the space or you can click there's a little message uh, speech bubble down there if you're on your phone you can you can uh, send it straight into the space if you have questions about education research um but but one of the things that i wanted to ask you about you know as we return to our quest allegory and i talk about this you know i, I wanted to be on this quest i have wanted to be on the quest I've, I've i've taken steps i've started and stopped a master's i started and half completed but that was kind of covid yeah. i blame it in mm. qh here <laughs> i i you know i have done the the, the uh I, I did complete actually the certificate in evidence informed practice you know i did that one but i'm kind of stepping and starting kind of going oh i, I you know i want to um engage and and then uh, i you know so I'll, I'll, I'll read these things but what advice would you give to someone who's maybe has this interest they know that they want to find them or they know that they want to start a quest yep. uh but, but but maybe isn't quite getting over the threshold i think there are two things i want to want to highlight the first is just go for it um don't be put off by things just go for it bite the bullet and do it uh don't be put off if when you hit that first that first sort of hurdle, chances are you will fall off the bike or the skateboard in your case maybe, and it's not the end of the world. Um, no matter what the outcome of your research is, 
uh, you've still learned more about the research process by engaging with it than you knew before. So that's kind of the first thing, just go for it. Ditch the fear, ditch the, ditch the worry and just do it. Um, the second thing is to research what you are interested in. Now, as you say, you, you may be required to do educational research as part of whatever, but make sure that you are tailoring it to what you're interested in and not be forced to look at something different. Um, you're not going to engage fully with a subject that doesn't that doesn't float your boat. It's it's not going to happen. Um, like I say, my dissertation was was pulled and I ended up studying something very, very, very boring. Um, and if you're not interested, you're not going to give the research the due, the due care and attention that it requires, that it deserves. And you're not going to enjoy yourself either. And as I've said before, life is just far too short to not enjoy yourself. Yeah, um, picking up, I would say my advice would be to get reading. Um, there are lots of open access journals online, and every school uh, should have a copy of Impact, the research publication from the Chartered College of Teaching. Um, journal clubs, that's another thing to engage with, which I've touched on. Um, but this is where you form a group, uh, you all go away with one paper, exactly the same journal article, you read it, come back in a few weeks' time over coffee, biscuits, etc., and then you discuss the paper. Um, you know, how could that work in our setting? Is there something that somebody's taken from it that somebody else hasn't actually seen within that paper? Um, again, the Chartered College of Teaching offers advice on um, establishing journal clubs, um, and that can lead into their certificate of evidence informed practice. Um, narrowing your research focus um you can research anything um you know if i look through my potted cv you know I've, I've you can really sort of see a whole trail of where i was interested in something but i moved on to that for a little bit then i moved on to something else um so one of the largest hurdles i would say is to establish you know really focus on what you want one of the um ideas or activities we use in the book is a forest analogy um, where you identify a forest, you identify a tree, a branch and a leaf. So let's say that the forest is outdoor play. Um, you could have gone into indoor play. You could have gone into any different sort of um, forest of uh, a, a general overview. Um, lots of trees within a forest. A tree I'm going to focus on is on cooperation. I'm going to take a branch. Um, it could be something like the frequency of cooperation, and then I can look at the leaf within problem solving. So ultimately, I've sort of narrowed down and I've self uh, siphoned down to a point where I'm looking at the frequency of frequency of cooperation in problem solving um, in outdoor play with early years. Um, so, you know, if you can focus on something like that, and believe it or not, if you Google that, if you go onto a research database, you will find that people have done research in that area. And of course, the other good step would be to use a discount code of TTR25 until the end of August and uh, buy a copy of the book. Um, <laughs> really nice. Yeah. There. You should have Thank you. <laughs> okay. we'll, 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 Slick. Sickly done. Um, no, I, it's interesting there, you know, because you, you, you talked about a couple of things, particularly that journal club thing that, that, that maybe um, uh, appeals to me more in some ways than these hierarchies. I know I've mentioned yeah. before, you know, kind of PhDs and these, these you know, or, or masters or awards that you have to, you know, you feel you have to be working towards. So to, to engage with 
educational research then it's not that i have to be booked no. on a, a free year reward that i get a gown and a hat no absolutely end. not as i say the um certificate of evidence informed practice i think it's 99 pounds um, for charter college uh website and you could use that towards charter teacher status um but it could just be something informal you do or it may be that you decide to target impacts so and you write an article and you share it with um you know uh, you, you take it through all the ethical protocols as we've advocated in the book um but you write for publication um certainly in uh, early september it's uh, the beer british education research association it's a huge conference in aston university and it's where a lot of academics will be discussing their research. I think there's 14 practitioners from schools who are sharing their research out of hundreds who will be attending. And it would be great to see, you know, greater uptake as schools going, you know what, I'm actually proud of what we've done. Um, I really feel that there is a flaw to open that and to put that forwards. And we would say, yes, there is. Um, use the book, acts as a framework. Um, and, you know, let us take you by the hand and nurture you through. So, you know, I do think that education research is the way forwards. Um, sorry, I'm getting a bit of a high horse there. And you're right. You no, know, no. Um, this hierarchical side. Yeah, I, I've uh, you know, used the phrase educational anarchist before, but actually a lot of education should come from within. We should be, you know, strip off all these layers and actually discuss, open up, um, bring in people from all different perceived levels and yeah just get talking um over uh, again coffee i know there's other drinks are available um but at the same time you know we just need to open that dialogue um i wanted to ask then uh, you know uh, uh, about yourself <laughs> right. um where are you you know we've, we've got this wonderful help in the book uh, essentials of research methods in education to to help um other people on their journeys with engaging with uh, educational research. But do you, uh, you guys have anything uh, that you're working on at the moment or, or, or just recently uh, finished? What, what, what are you... Uh, thank you. Um, well, talking about this conference, we've got um, a conference paper based on some research we did post-COVID. Um, so coming in from lockdown, um, we had, uh, at the time I was working in the Year 6 class, I was a Year 6 teacher um and we understood how fragile students could be um that they needed to uh learn some of their social skills or to continue with those in the classroom setting and even find motor control so harriet and i developed something called the mindful movement program um we both engaged heavily in martial arts my phd was actually in martial arts and nothing to do with education um, and through this, we developed a movement program um, that distilled some of the concepts of martial arts. And we worked them through with one class. The other class um, that I also taught um, continued with standard PSHE lessons. And we looked at state and trait self-esteem. In other words, um, how your self-esteem can affect, be affected moment to moment and also longer term. So really, we looked at this mindful movement program and how it affected self-esteem. And we noticed that this program, with all things as controlled as possible, um, that this program enhanced students' self-esteem. So we'll be talking about that at the Vera conference and holding a workshop on this 
Um, Harriet, is there anything else you want to say about that? I think that sums it all very nicely. So, you know, and this goes back to what Harriet said, but, you know, really focus on what you want to focus on. Um, you know, the fact that we could bring in martial arts, um, you know, yeah. uh, dare I say, I originally trained as a PE teacher. Um, so, you know, it, it's sort of, uh, yeah, um, it's going back to my roots, really, um, and bringing that forwards. I, you know, I, I find it so interesting talking about sort of how these, because I, I think for, for, for teachers possibly sometimes is we see maybe these big uh, um, sort of final uh, thoughts or final um the, the final product maybe of of years of research or of, of of a project and um we see that final product and maybe this is where i i have been going wrong the whole time is that i've been kind of end goal thinking yeah. rather than starting with a question maybe i've been kind of going oh i want yeah. to uh you know i, I want to have a this thing or i want to find an answer to this thing or <laughs> you know i as opposed to starting with a question and letting that research take me on the journey itself yeah. yeah i think um that's the danger that i know i've made um harriet dare say you've made as well if, um but yeah I, th I think we kind of answered it sort of sort of previously when you were saying uh, when we were saying about how um one of the things people aren't prepared for is the fact that the research shows something that you weren't expecting and mm. and that yeah that that's kind of a, a thing a problem with being end goal focused you've got to kind of just Trust the process, really, I guess. And, you know, even if, let's say, the piece of research I've just spoken about, this mindful movement program, even if that proved nothing, even if self-esteem didn't um, alter in one year six class compared to another year six class, um, we still learned through that process of research. We've learned what well, hasn't worked. Maybe we need to adapt the program. Maybe we need to bring in something else and then go out again. So, you know, really, I would say, you know, having marked hundreds of dissertations and master's dissertations in the past, but, you know, actually, it's that journey we're interested in, not the sum product, um, but how you've linked all these aspects together. And if you find that you haven't proved anything, that doesn't matter. You know, you've demonstrated your skills as a researcher, and that's what matters. Yeah, as I say, when I when I think about the professional standards that that I you know that I am uh, here as a teacher in Wales at least expected to 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 uh, embody, yeah. and uh, one of those is you know about professional learning, of course, and you know effective pedagogy, but one of them is about innovation mm. as well, and and I think it's very hard for us. There is only uh, so many times that I can refine a process that I'm doing without starting to look outside of. Um, what I'm doing and, and trying something slightly different and that idea for innovation. Um, but I wanted to ask, you know, we are in a changing landscape, always, yeah. I guess, in a changing landscape with education. And as we come um, towards the end um, of, our, of our talk, which has been incredibly informative for me. And as I say, you know, I, I, I'm, I couldn't speak more highly Thank of the you. book. Um, and I would recommend that to people who are listening. Um, but the, one of the things, you know, we... we when we think about teachers and educational research, is this one thing maybe, what one thing, or you can go through one each maybe if you like, or we'll see how we go. Um, but um, what would you like to see change about and uh, people in education? I will phrase this because you know you have rightly corrected me on saying teachers only before, but what one thing would you like to see change about people in education 
and educational research? Yeah, I think uh, the core thing for me would be to appreciate we can all be agents of change, that we can have that autonomy and agency. I'll just unpick those two, autonomy, um, that throughout our career, um, there'll be aspects that interest us, ignite us, and engage us in that research process, and that we should be able to take that forwards with due consideration, going back to ethics again, um, but also to have that agency to engage in that professional discussion about research and to be heard and taking uh, informed ethical action forwards. So, as I say, it's that sense that we can be agents of change. Um, Harry? Yep. Uh, so I want to pick up on the thing that, that you kind of said yourself, um, really, Nathan. For me, I'd like people to see that educational research is not just for specific people, not just for teachers, that anybody involved in education in whatever role um, have just as much to bring to the table. Um, it's really important that it includes others who aren't necessarily classroom teachers, but who play a huge part in the education of the students. And, you know, the, the future generations, they, these people all need to be involved and included in educational research. That's what I'd like to see change. Fantastic, you know, and I, I, I do take that away, you know, as I think about it more and more and just reflecting on that, I, 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 you know, I think there is something there about schools, even schools maybe who are further down this journey than, than others. If, if I was to ask them some, some pressing questions on, okay, you know, so what about uh, all staff? Mm -hmm. What about, you know, everybody? Is it that you've got some of your SLT doing a PhD or a master's or is it, you know, all class, all teachers or is, is it all staff? I think there is, you know, an, another step there to open up or certainly a line of question that when I go back, I, you know, into school in September, I'm going to be thinking about because, you know, we do it well, but there is always kind of room to reflect and room to explore. Yeah, there's always room for that. Yes. Yeah. So, right. Well, listen, it has been absolutely wonderful to talk Thank to you. Both. you. We should, again, give another plug just for that discount code for people. Um, there is a tweet pinned at the top of this space. And if you're listening back uh, on a podcast, it will be available on on iTunes, on uh, Spotify, on uh, any of those platforms, however you get your podcast. So if you're only joining us now, um, don't worry, you will be able to get this however you consume your podcast. It will, of course, stay here on Twitter or X or uh, whatever you choose to call it now in, in, in this ever-changing world of social media. But it will be here as well, so you can listen back again after we've finished. Uh, you know, if you want to catch the, the start of the show, but if you click on that, uh, link there there will be a little one that says if you go to the sage education website and use that code ttr25 um you will be able to get a 25 percent discount on essentials of research methods in education by scott buckler and harriet moore who've joined us here tonight there is also if you follow and you're listening live now there you know a little bit of time left for this you should be able to find on our twitter or x um feed a, a little competition that we're running to give away um, some books. So there is some criteria there. If you find it, like and retweet and just read through there, then you might find yourself uh, the lucky owner of one of these books, which will sit very proudly on your bookshelf and probably lend out or potentially buy them a copy. In fact, do you know what? If you're a deputy head or a head teacher here in charge of uh, this kind of CPD, this is the book for you. You know, get a copy for the staff room or, or your shelf yeah. or uh, however it is that you just, you know, I, 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 I don't know how other schools do it now, but certainly in my staff room, 
there will be a copy of this uh, going when we get back in September for people to reference and, and to use. Uh, that's on top of my own copy. <laughs> that's oh, Thank Nathan, you. you've been so kind. Thank so, you for, for your kind words no, throughout. Honestly, honestly like, it's, uh... It, 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 the, when I read it, I was I was worried. I, I guess a bit like your, you know, your friend said when you know when when I when I said okay, you know, this is something that I want to do. But I was thinking, right, this is a glasses on, <laughs> this is glasses and a cup of coffee. It's going to be one of those that I read. And then I started reading it, and as I say, the way that um, it is written, that author's voice that comes through, that kind of gently guided and explained, and when there were big words, helped me understand them. You know, I really did find it a, 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 a really pleasurable read. It, oh, it really did. And, and, it, and it'd be one that I keep on the show. As I say, the way it's laid out to reference back to is, 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 is very helpful as well. So uh, we're in the middle of summer holidays. Um, anything exciting coming up? You said that you've got the, 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 the conference for the BERA uh, coming up. Uh, any anything else exciting before the the, the, the dreaded September starts again? <laughs> Sorry. Well, actually, I've been in, mo- in work for most of the holidays. Um, be, being thankful, <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily get that that time off. Oh, um, yeah. uh, we were affected by a change in MIS, so I've I've been dealing oh, with that with my yeah. uh, my data manager colleague, and uh, yeah, so we've had fun. But uh, yeah. Uh, All right. Well, I. No, that's all right. I was just going to say, mine's nothing as exciting as that. But, you know, bedtime with kids or something. So, you know, but, uh, yeah. Well, certainly where I am, there's at least two days of sunshine yeah, now yeah. left. And so I am going to be heading off to enjoy. Oh, make Thank the most. Thank you again so much for coming on. Oh, bless you. Thank you very much um, for inviting say, us. It's been a pleasure. And, I, you know, uh, and um, yeah, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. So from here at Teachers Talk Radio, we will say uh, good night on Nostar, as we say in Wales. Uh, and we will see you uh, next time on our next Teachers Talk Radio show. Good, good night. night. Thank everyone. you. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.